Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. 
Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was one of the trailer picks on a Saturday matinee episode. You can get access to the Sat Matt Show over at patreon.com slash the next reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything that we do here at the next reel. Today we're talking about Jonathan, which is the first feature film from writer-director Bill Oliver. His previous credits were shorts, and this is also the first feature film for the two other credited writers, Gregory Davis and Peter Nikowitz, and they have each previously written a short. Each of those shorts was also directed by Bill Oliver, so this is a creative team that has worked together before. This is my trailer pick, actually, from October 13th, 2018. Nice. Wait, is is this your first trailer pick that we've made in the Rewind? It's cl- I, it's close. If there's been one I, before, it, I just didn't notice because this that's it kind may of a have special been thing. Hostels? I can't remember. I'd have to go back. Oh, and look if that was one of mine. Well, this is better than <laughs> Hostels. Come on. Well, I yes, that's why this, I don't remember it. <laughs> this is one that I think I I seeded into the trailer picks, thinking this is something JJ is going to want to talk about. That's the thing. See, that's why I'm highlighting this because now, now if we're we've approached your trailer pick selections, we now can kind of mani- we're the yes. puppet master, right? We can manipulate the process to make sure that we get good movies to watch. Yes, for that's that's we, we've been working on getting there. Yes, we yeah, we've got, we, we got so good stuff. so today's June 11th, and Jonathan is available on Netflix and Hoopla. So. Hoopla is a digital uh, streaming service that is uh, you can usually gain access through your public library. So can Canopy is oh, one that okay. you can do. But, but yes, Canopy and there's also Hoopla yeah, yeah. Digital. And depending on your public library system, you may have one or both of those available to you. Yeah. Very cool. Very okay. cool. I watched this on Netflix. Well, this was an interesting one to research. Jonathan had a very, very limited theatrical release. Based on the information that I could find, it was released into theaters on November 16th, 2018, but only in Russia, where where it made $52,923 in its international release. It was simultaneously released directly okay. on digital services here in the United States. So on November 16th, you could okay. you could go That's to iTunes or, yeah. you know, Voodoo or, you know, Movies Anywhere, whatever your digital locker service is for movies and purchase it there. It became available on DVD and Blu-ray in the United States and Canada on January 15th, 2019. And this was one of those films that it feels like it got burned, dumped, or whatever hole in the ground analogy you want to use. It just didn't didn't <laughs> see the light of day out there, and it became available on Netflix April sixteenth, twenty nineteen. So very short turnaround okay. from cool. digital release to to hitting Netflix. Um, Back in October, when Pete and I talked about this on the SatMat, I said that I was excited about this potential mind-bender story that could be in here, but I was cautious about how it was going to resolve that story. It it just had this feel of, well, it could go with a conventional route that might be a little disappointing. It could do something a little bit more unique, but in a small film like this, how well would that be executed? Was that a reason why it wasn't, you know, finding distribution? Uh, Pete said, this looks like a reverse Gattaca. 
<laughs> okay. He wanted to know. He, he okay, was curious about it. who, which of them is responsible for going to the bathroom, because I guess that's Pete's primary concern right. is body functions. Uh, but he did. He did say <laughs> he was excited not? about it, and he loved the cast in this. We've got Ansel Elgort, you know, choosing some interesting properties, making a, a distance from. Those, uh, you know, the Divergent series, those sort of teen YA things and, yeah. and approaching a different type of story. So he was really intrigued by that. Uh, you know, we also talked about, he mentioned Patricia Clarkson, uh, Matt Bomber, and Suki Waterhouse in the cast for this one. We, we have a very, very small cast, but some recognizable faces and names for this right. one. So to get started... We have the setup, which is we have two personalities in a single body. So, JJ, if there were two of you living in your body, what would their two names be? Well, that question is pretty awesome because I kind of, well, I don't have two personalities, <laughs> but I do kind of okay. have the two names, right? And I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but, you know, I have JJ and then I have Justin. And people always tend to ask me, they say, you know, which do you prefer? And it's hard to say because I'm comfortable with both. But what I do get, and this could be an interesting thing to think about in the context of this movie, is when someone from a Justin world calls me JJ or someone from a JJ world calls me Justin, I get a little twinge of like mm. intimacy where I'm like, oh, you know me and my other <laughs> brother's personality. <laughs> no, that's that's too much of a metaphor. But but really, no, but the twinge of intimacy is there. It's like, you know me a little bit better because you know both sides of me, which I think is really interesting when you consider what this is in this movie, which, I mean, Ansel Elgort does a really interesting job of uh, playing the two characters. But it, when, when I went along in this movie, I really felt like the movie was, wasn't even necessarily about him as an actor or as either of the characters, it was really just a conceptual piece about this interesting sort of Black Mirror style idea. So, so what is the Black Mirror style idea? Because that, that's one of my first questions was, is this, is this sort of a, a soft sci-fi film to it? Is that what... Well, I get. Well, you know what? I should. I guess I should have done research to find out if this is actually a thing that's out there. <laughs> I mean, he presents. Uh, you know, Jonathan, uh, one of Ansel Elgort's personalities, presents Elena with a. It looks like what is it? Uh, pop, popular science yes. or something to explain, yes. or Psychology Today to explain what's going on with him in this uh, dual mind, dual consciousness, one body ex thing. So if it's a real thing, then maybe it's not Black Mirror, <laughs> and if so, then wow, what an interesting story. But I think it feels sci-fi because he has the monitor on his in the rear of his earlobe to time out the different consciousnesses taking control of the body. So that feels very sci-fi to me. And the way it's presented in this sort of uh, cut up uh, storytelling, I think gives me the feel of something that's Black Mirror too. I left the captions on for the entire film and uh, it, anytime there was any music playing, the the caption would come up and say "foreboding music" or uh, or "sullen music." Yes. Right? It had all these things. So, um, so I don't know if I actually would have felt that way, but I definitely got the feeling that they were trying to set me up for a Black Mirror style thing when okay. I watched this movie. Uh, yeah, I as I thought about this film after it finished uh, over the the past few days, I, I started to come back to thinking about what this film is really trying to say because it is much more of a, a character piece. And so I, I started with, you know, that I love sci-fi films that it's not a lot of special effects. It's taking a concept that maybe is 
briefly grounded in reality and then pushing it maybe five years out. I mean, we don't have a sense of uh, specific time or, or place. We don't have a year. We, you know, we look at the technology that's available. It gives us, you know, yeah. it's it's contemporary because there's, there's cell phones. Uh, but it could be, you know, it could yes. be several years out. And so we have that sci-fi element where we're, we're pushing just past the limits of what's possible today. And that gives us the ability to do some interesting things, tell some interesting stories. And so I thought, well, is this film really more a commentary about the different people that we are in different social circles? As, as you sort of touched on with your Justin mm. and JJ and what happens when those worlds collide. Sure. Is it? That yeah, is, that. is that what yes. we're getting at here? Because we have two... Very separate personalities. Now, we have just Jonathan's point of view, primarily. He's our sort of through line. He, we're we're going to identify with him because we follow his story. John, we only get in the video diaries that they provide for each other. And so to sort of get us through this, I thought we'd, we'd sort of move through the different phases of this uh, story. And we, we start with... Just giving us the routine in Jonathan's life, you know, goes to work, comes home, goes to sleep. We get it. We get a lot of clocks in here early on to get a sense of this routine. He gets up at seven o'clock. He has to leave work at one thirty because he has to be in bed at three, and then he goes to sleep. He wakes up at seven a.m. He watches the video from from John, and we get this sense of this very strict routine in his life. But we early on get this mystery with Jonathan trying to figure out what John is doing at night. And it's, it's triggered by finding a, as Jonathan's doing the laundry, uh, a napkin from a bar. And John hasn't mentioned anything about going out to a bar. And in the early video diaries, we get the sense that Jonathan is your, your straight laced by the book, by the rules kind of guy. And John is a little bit more of the wild child. Uh, he's much more relaxed. His hair uh, isn't as neatly combed as Jonathan's is. So we get in in costume and, and you know, the difference between the two. Jonathan's, you know, collared shirt tucked into his khaki pants and, and John's a little bit more. Yeah, he'll throw on whatever's there. And, and Jonathan often mentions that John's not keeping up on his chores. But we get this. Doesn't do the doesn't laundry. Do the laundry. Right. But, so we get this up. mystery that's the first sort of direction of where the story is going to go. What are we going to do with these two characters? We were, you know, 10 or so minutes into the film. What can we do with the setup? Well, we get this mystery. What's going on with John at night? And that's where we get Matt Bomber's character introduced, who is a detective that Jonathan hires to follow John at night. Who they, and Matt Bomber thinks that he's following himself. Yes. Right. Exactly. Because as he explains it, you're both the, uh, the client and the mark. Yes, exactly. And this is the first circumstance of a, an outsider, really. We see how Jonathan has to sort of conceal his true nature of, of what's going on, of these these dual personalities in a single body, and how how he has to talk around that. Because no, nobody at work knows this. He's got the story of a sick relative. That's why he has to leave work early. There's no outsider's understand what's going on but we have this detective that's now trying to gain some insight into what's going on which puts jonathan in a sort of awkward situation trying to explain why he would hire somebody to follow himself but th where did you think the story was going there i mean was that a mystery that was intriguing to you 
at that point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why I bring up the Black Mirror comparison, because the one thing that I really ended up liking about this movie, but tripped me up the whole way through was because uh, both, and, and this is of course natural to the movie, but because both brothers are being played by Ansel Elgort, every time he wakes up and every time we get the new flash, I always assume that we're going to see John. Yes. Meaning the other character. I always, I always feel like we're going to get it. And they, they, they have a lot of clever little mechanisms to show that that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, Jonathan sleeps in one bed, John sleeps in the other bed, all these things. But it was disorienting to my brain in a way that I ended up liking in a meta way about the whole story um, because that whole mystery of what is happening and what is this other person and why does it matter? Because that's the other piece too, yes. is that we're not given the rules that they live by until really the third act, I think. Um, so we're, it's to, the story is told in a way that allows us to find out with the main character, the one, the straight laced brother. And I think it's done effectively and it's a, a really creative way to show it. Yeah. I, it creates some nice tension when we we're constantly denied access to what's going on with John. We, he becomes, I an, wanted it every time he woke oh, up. Yeah. I'm like, Oh great. We get to hear John's side of the story. Well, and you know, he's, he set up as an unreliable narrator early on because yep. he does, he talks about going out with his friend, the, you know, but he doesn't, you know, he said, Oh, we went out for pizza or something, but then we find the napkin from the bar and then that, that triggers this. Yeah. Well, why, what's he hiding for me? There's this, this trust you would think between these two brothers, particularly when you're occupying the same body and you get that sense from, from Jonathan of, well, what's he doing at night? Because there's, we understand there's repercussions because they have to communicate with each other. Early on, we see Jonathan helping a, a woman in the apartment complex, and he tells John, oh, by the way, I bumped into so-and-so. I helped her with her groceries. That's why she's nice to you. So they have to communicate right. about their interactions. And when Always. John starts leaving details out, that's gonna that sets us as an audience on edge. It creates some, some tension yeah. with Jonathan of, okay— what's going on? What are the consequences? What are going to be the repercussions that Jonathan's going to have to deal with based on the decisions? Right. And why? Yes. Why, why would it, yeah. Why would it be a thing? Right. Like we need to learn the whole thing about their situation and it's done in a very uh, progressive and clever way. So that takes us into what the root of that sort of mystery is, which is Elena, which is the girl that John is seeing, which we find out from the detective. And then Jonathan starts following her during the day and our, our sort of, initial bit of conflict is Jonathan bumps into Elena. She thinks it's John. So of course that night we learn she talks to John about it. And in John's diary response to Jonathan, he, I mean, he's furious because it's, you know, breaking one of the rules, but Jonathan now has withheld information from John. So now John's got to, you know, lie to Elena Puts him in an awkward and uncomfortable situation. So we, we get a little flip here, which I thought was very uh, clever because we think that John is going to be putting Jonathan in an awkward situation. But now Jonathan is the one that's actually f turned the tables on John unintentionally. And that is and that is difficult to follow even in the movie yes. because there's so much chicanery going on. Oh, yes. That you there isn't really a protagonist. And then, of course, it's set up by the same of course, the same actor. So that's something that's that's difficult to tell, but you feel the stress, you feel the drama of it while they're telling you the story of each of these brothers who share the same body lying to each other. Yes. And we, this is where we get the first use of really relying heavily on those video diaries where 
our sense of time for, for me gets shifted a little bit because we have to remember that each time we get one, you know, the conversation back and forth, it's an entire day that has passed. And so we get the sequence right. where it's, it's the back and forth between the two of them arguing about some things. And you're thinking, okay, well, that's the amount of time that's going in between each of these things. But for them, the way it's edited together and for us, it's this back and forth, you know, argument, uh, because yep. we we, yep. we lose you know the time at work is sleeping all that we're just getting you know the cuts back and forth, uh, which every twelve hours yes which you know how is that for you as a as a storytelling device did that work for you did that I mean we get the performance and it's going to rely heavily on the actor's performance but I thought that's not something that I recall recently in a film of where we've got a conver- a recorded conversation that we've got to cut back and forth between like to help move well, things forward. I generally liked it, but it makes it definitely makes the film small, right? Yes. I mean, that, that, and that's something. And I don't say that as a negative. It just makes it 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 makes sense to me when you tell me that uh, Mr. Oliver has only done shorts before, because it feels like a creative idea that can be explored in a short. And I love that it's exploded into this feature film length here. But in general, it 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 binds the movie in a way that leaves it to this kind of tiny universe. And I think that that's really why you get the the things that you get about this film having limited release and not people knowing it and not making a lot of money. It's a great concept, but it really is a short story. Yes. Right? Yeah. Put on screen. So I didn't dislike it, but it does get it, it becomes simpler as the movie goes on because it becomes a limiting plot device, which it, again is both the movie's strength and its and its limit when we look at it. Well, it, and it's interesting you mentioned that uh, you know being limiting because it it then goes away because John stops communicating with Jonathan. They get in this fight because you know the Elena thing, uh, or I think even before John knows about Elena, I'm trying to remember the timeline and everything, but for a good while. There's a the argument between the two of them. John just stops communicating, and that leaves us with Jonathan and Elena and this new romance that's yeah. going between the two of them, which is really kind of odd and creepy if you think about it, because he's he's tried to explain and to her the whole explain yeah he's tried to explain the nature of who he is and gave her the article and she you know then eventually does read it and she then becomes sort of the audience surrogate that gives him the opportunity to explain how they got how we get to that point uh with this device and you know when they were an infant and and all of that and the doctor and we get the whole setup and explanation of how he gets to function at this point uh because he's got to explain it to elena but i if you think about it she's she knows one personality and we we know they're quite different uh people and personalities but now she's with jonathan for a a good a good middle part of this film is is their relationship together. And John has just withdrawn. He even quits his job. We find out he then takes a job as like a, a security guard at night, as opposed to being, you know, working in a law firm. Um, but it's a, it's a very much a, a tonal shift for me from, Oh, it's the mystery of figuring out what Jonathan's up to, to now, Oh, this love story between Jonathan and Elena, which again, it's, well, it, and you asked if this is an exploration of different uh, personalities in different social circles. At this point in Act Two, it doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like potentially some sort of 
maybe an idea about mental illness and loving two sides of mm-hmm. the personality of one person um, and how you deal with that in society. Mm. Uh, you know, it, one of the things that I thought that I was kind of yearning for in the second act is I really wanted the communication lines to open and for Elena to actually uh, spend time with John and Jonathan and oh. unite the characters and deal with what that meant. But again, because of this uh, you know this device this this vehicle this tool that they're using to tell the story it doesn't work that way and that again keeps the story kind of small i i do i do want to mention because i looked this up uh, on you know that bastion of uh, earthly knowledge wikipedia <laughs> it says uh, dual consciousness is a theoretical concept in neuroscience theoretical keyword there it is proposed that it is possible that a person may develop two separate conscious entities within their one brain after undergoing a corpus colostomy. And it goes on to, to detail to describe what that is and why someone might do that. But um, it, but I guess the key thing is, is that this is a creative leap about a theoretical concept um, with an idea that, uh, you know, twins or multiple multiple beings grew up in the same body. So it is science fiction to that okay. degree. Interesting. Well, and as we get further into the story, as, as John has, has withdrawn and starts to become depressed, uh, you know, he's, he's now isolating himself. Jonathan's waking up in places that are not home uh, didn't he wake up in like a drug bordello yes, at some point? Yes, he did. Ooh. Yes. Creepy. That's when we find out that there was even more to their background and that there was at one point a third brother that was in this and body. what would the third brother be named? Probably. John, Jonathan, and... Johnny. John, oh, Johnny. <laughs> and the, the Johnny was removed, removed, which is the word yes. they use to say a consciousness that is killed. Removed at age nine, is that correct? I believe that's, that's yeah, I think it was around age nine. Yes. John, Jonathan, and Johnny. Yes. Yep, that's, I think you're right. So we're, so which is interesting as far as storytelling point, because now we're, we've set up the John... Is depressed. Now you've got stakes. Yes, we've got some stakes. And we know it's it's possible. People can be removed. People can be removed. And so we've got this, you know, possibility of will the doctor remove John? What is that going to do to Jonathan? Because we've seen when John withdrew and stopped communicating, the impact that had on Jonathan of losing, you know, his other half, his brother. I mean, it's the the one constant in his life. Because according to the rules that they've set up, he's he's got to have barriers between himself and others. He can't enter into relationships. That's against the rules. Uh, so he's risking losing, you know, his, his closest friend uh, at this point. And this is where we, we see less and less of, of John or he's doing more dangerous things. And then that transitions into, we start seeing points where the time is shifting. Jonathan is waking up later and later, you know, 701, 702, 703. There's some drift in the timer. But that's where the doctor, played by Patricia Clarkson, reveals that, no, it's not the timer that's causing the drift. It's that John is starting to push in to Jonathan's time. And we start getting these right. and not, episodes. And, and not on purpose Right, we, is a key point in that, too. It's just the natural progression of their condition. Right. It, it's suddenly we've got moments where it's it's during Jonathan's time. He's in the grocery store shopping and suddenly... John has pushed through and he, for him, he experiences it a black is a blackout. We get these brief, you know, black screen. And it, that 
the way they shoot that is awesome. Of the the just black awesome and then because cut it's back. Dead space, yeah. and black and silence for not long, but long enough that when it flashes back, you are immediately disoriented. Yes. You immediately take the position of what just happened, and it really puts you directly into the position of Jonathan, you know, awakening for the first time again in a place that he shouldn't have. And then when they take it to the next level, it becomes really interesting when they are fighting with each other. Okay, so... Yeah, talk about that a little bit more about that that fight because that, that's well, it's a really striking this huge sequence. Confusion. Yes, yeah, and there's this huge confusion where you know the doctor Patricia Clarkson believes that, and everyone believes that John is depressed because Jonathan made him break up with Helena, and then all these things go south in his life, and he wants to be removed, and he starts having really self destructive behaviors, and kind of holding the Jonathan character at, at hostage for them, even threatening multiple ways to commit suicide, even attempts at one time by cutting himself. Uh, and then they get into this kind of, it, it felt to me like a rapid fire sequence where Jonathan keeps losing time. And of course, Jonathan's our narrator. Jonathan is our point of reference. So that's all we have. But it, it comes into this really interesting scene, which we, we can't really play for you on the podcast because it's just clips back and forth. But it's the concept of you're with Jonathan and he loses time and he's on the top of a building and then he loses time again and he's chasing down the stairs and it's back and forth as the two consciousness are, consciousnesses are fighting each other for control. But again, we only have the one side of the story. And I think that's, I really liked, again, as a plot device, I thought it was a really interesting way to watch this story play out. Well, particularly since Jonathan has, you know, knows that John may try to hurt himself and he's got, you know, a recording right. from, from John saying, you know, at some point in the future, he's going to jump off this bridge. So, you know, Jonathan to keep himself safe, his, his physical body safe, you know, at night when it's going to be John's turn, he's, you know, basically, you know, handcuffs himself to the bed. And so that when he starts having these flashes, when John's pushing in, he's trying to get back to that so that he can secure sort of the body into a safe place. But before he can get that done, you know, we get the black and then like the camera and the apartment are trash. And that's when it starts, you know, he's up on the, on the roof and it's like every single time it's like, he's getting closer to the edge each time he wakes up and then he'll run back down the stairs and then he's back up on the roof. And it's this, you know, Terrifying. only it's, it's the only sort of direct physical conflict interaction we can have with this character is sort of their their fight over the body and where it's going to be uh which is uh, you know based on the story we have is you know we, we can't have them come to physical blows with each other you know it's not going to be a, a fight club thing where we're beating ourselves up but it's it's going to yeah. be you know this tug of war with the body back and forth and you know as we, we learn from the doctor it's you know Jonathan is 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 weakening. He's it's just the natural progression of things. It's a really innovative idea. Yeah, especially knowing that the one that's winning is the one that at that point doesn't have the will to go on. Is ready to give up, yep. and it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yes, super clever. <laughs> He's and a great and a great misdirection by the by the story writer too. I was I was very impressed. With that. Yeah, I, it it got to a point where I thought this again. We're now in a different phase of the story of this, the conflict between the two and the one that's losing out, you know, how, how to come to terms with, well, I I'm losing, but he, he has a life worth living, 
you know, he's got this career and if we, we get this whole setup with his career as an architect that they want him full time and he can't. And John is the barrier to that. And now Jonathan is, is losing out, but he's the one that has, you know, something to be working towards, whereas as John has given up on life. And I thought that's not where I expected this movie to go from the beginning. I was expecting more of the, the mystery thriller of what's the, what's the one brother doing and can we solve this mystery and puzzle? Whereas now it's getting to a more direct, you know, commentary perhaps on, you know, purposefulness and meaningfulness in life and what does a life worth living and, and all of that. And do we, do we appreciate the things we have when, you know, Jonathan's going to get, John's going to get the body, but is he going to waste his life? Uh, because we see the bad decisions that he's making versus Jonathan, who's got the, you know, more idealized life of a, a solid career. And, uh, you know, he's, he's responsible and orderly. He's a, he's a you know, upstanding adult, uh, but he's, yep. he's losing out on that. And then we, so we get that, that pushing back and forth. And at one point, finally, Jonathan wakes up in the back of uh, a taxi cab. And that brings us to a whole different part of it, because throughout the movie, we've been using the interaction of the two brothers on video to have their communication with each other. And now they get a surrogate for the video, and that's the cab driver. And the next, I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes, it's really sort of the, it almost feels like the denouement, right? Yes. It's, it's the yeah. it's the calming end of this film where the, ta- the cab driver... Uh, Every time Jonathan wakes up, he says, I'm supposed to tell you X, Y, Z. I'm supposed to tell you X, Y, Z. Yes. And it, it, this section then allows us to drift with the two brothers and lose the brother we've been following the whole time and then has a beautifully graceful shift to flipping around and they use the camera to do it. They use the blackouts that we've been talking about from the climax scenes. And then eventually we flip around to the other side and we see our same character, same actor, but now embodying John and having the cab driver for the first time talking to John Yes, in our perspective, uh, opposite of what we've been experiencing with Jonathan the entire movie. It's, it's a really smart turn and a really clever idea. It, yeah, it takes us to the place that, you know, when I saw the trailer, how how are they going to end this? How do you you know from the beginning you're not going to be able to have bro, both brothers survive? So how do you get to that point? How do you get to that in a rewarding way? And this gives us a, a more open ending, and it ends on a question that is unanswered. And I was wondering how you felt about that, because we've seen throughout just bits and clips of Jonathan, his routine, listening to, uh, you know, learning French. He's, you know, taking French lessons, you know, on a podcast or, you know, what, whatever he's listening to these, these lessons. And at the end, we've got the taxi driver listening to, you know, whatever it's in, it's in French. John asks him to turn it up and the driver asks him, Oh, do you speak French? And, and he doesn't answer. He doesn't answer. And I think that's, I think it's a great ending. I think it leaves us wondering. I think it speaks to the, 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 the science fiction aspect that this might not be about two personalities, that it may be about 
uh, one or two consciousnesses, I should say. They're not just two personalities. That they could be one. Ultimately, they become one person. And that the experiences of the body, the experiences of the spirit, the experiences of the consciousness is transferable. And I think that's really interesting. And it's and it doesn't explain it. It doesn't say that that's what's happening. But right. it asks the question. Yes. And it leaves it out there. And that's the kind of stuff that I really like. Because it's the kind of stuff that's discussion fodder. And that's what this movie really becomes. It's the kind of movie that you'll go see or that you'll stream uh, you know, sitting on your couch one night uh, with with someone that you care about, and after it, you'll be like, "What do you think about that?" And I think that's <laughs> I really like that stuff, even though it was a relatively small movie. I really like the fact that this is a conversation starter about something that's theoretical, uh, but is a really interesting concept to consider. Yes, that, I, it's exactly where I found myself. Initial viewing. About halfway through, I thought, uh, I don't know what I think about this. By the time we get to the end, and it revealed itself to be something something different, something more than I was anticipating early on in the film. And well, one thing that I really didn't like is that Elena disappears. Yes. And I yeah. think in general, Elena, and this is Suki Waterhouse, I think she could have been used a whole lot more. And her character as a tool becomes really difficult to reconcile here because if she does love John enough to then fall in love with Jonathan, knowing what she knows as a character, wouldn't she seek John out? Yeah. And if, and if that's the case, and then when we get into third act and she's absent from the entire third act, yeah. she loves one of them or both of them, or, you know, she's, she's bought into something. So she can't just go away is how I feel yeah. about the character. And that's where I really get the feeling that this is kind of like a short film that's been made into a feature. Yeah. Cause I need more from that character mm -hmm. that we are told is in love with these guys. Right. So. I don't know. And and she was great. She was I mean, she was wonderful in the role and uh, and I think that's an interesting and profound additional concept to whatever they're trying to tell us about the mind here. No, that's a it's it's a good point. And I it's one of those pieces where you finish a film and you'll say I, I still feel like there's something missing. It's it's rewarding telling the story it wants to tell, but that's where the, the writing, sort of the architecture is there of this was the the purpose. This was what they were trying to tell. And they had characters that they needed or used to move that piece forward. But again, yes, Elena, as a human being in this story, I cannot imagine her just disappearing. We would have needed something, some, some big fight, something, or a conversation with the doctor, something to justify her just disappearance from the story altogether. And it's nothing that to me can't be left to oh it off off scene off screen of you know a conversation she had with someone else that we're, we're tr to try to guess together i would want that emotional pivot for her character of having to leave this relationship because clearly yeah she's connected with both of them it's it's something that as you as you discuss and, you know, have a conversation with this film and start to piece it, you know, pull it apart, uh, exploring it. It's, it's these sort of cracks in the story that reveal why this film probably isn't going to be, you know, a classic you're going to come back to time and time right. again. But it does, I, I think it serves its purpose as getting people to talk about or think about these things as, as we're discussing, you know, tonight, it's, it's, it's more than it's just a great stream. View. Yes. It's a great thing to catch on Netflix. Yes. I think, I think lots of people are going to like it. Yes, this was one that actually I had, you know, had picked as a trailer, and then I was 
thinking about what what's worth talking to and i was reminded of this one by my oldest daughter who had watched it on netflix probably late april early may as she was studying for finals at the end of her you know first first year of college and she said you need to check this out and i said oh that was a trailer rewind pick she's like oh yeah you guys should do that on the show and i'm like great and and she said it's it's not a great film, but it is. It was worth watching, and she really enjoyed watching it. And it's one that, again, I think that's the one thing to set people up with. Of you're, you're it's going to give you some things to think about and talk about. So watch it with somebody, or, or you know, make it an appointment to like we're both going to watch this and, and meet, you know, for coffee and talk about it. Um, but the movie it reminded me of the yeah. most. I mean, I mentioned Black Mirror a lot here, which is you know the TV show. But the movie it reminded me the most of was Her. Oh, okay. Um, which is not really the same, but you have this concept of a disembodied major character. Yes. And that's kind of what you get in this story, too. And I think um, I think people who are fans of that kind of storytelling, which is uh, tell, telling you about an intimate relationship that's around not something you're going to be able to witness on screen uh, or something in the Black Mirror vein yeah. where you feel this intense science fiction intense emotion attached to science fiction i think that's the kind of thing that you're that you will like if you like or you will like this movie if you like that kind of thing yeah this could you know it, it didn't occur to me to think of black mirror you know when watching this or afterwards but now that you mentioned it it does have that feel of if this were story were tightened up a bit this yeah this could be a could have been a black mirror episode because of just that exploration of different personalities in a body the different you know, people we can be around different groups of people. Um, right. Yeah. So it, it has that potential. Well, and clocking yeah. in at 95 yeah. minutes, there's not a whole lot you have to cut to make it a black man. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Um, but is there a specific, you know, type of person? I guess we've talked about the type of genres it is. And I think that's really the way to sort of direct people towards this. If you like this type of thing versus, oh, this is for a younger audience and older audience, clearly, you know, a college student enjoys it. We, you know, much, you know, past our college years, uh, enjoying this. But I think it's a people that like a certain type of film are going to be drawn to a story like this. Uh, it, it's going to take some patience because it, it does take its time and it's, it's storytelling, yep. uh, because it is, it is character focused, but I, I think it just, the pacing works well enough to keep you moving along. There wasn't a point, uh, where I felt like, Oh, we're spending too much time here. Cause it does shift from, you know, the different phases we sort of walked ourselves through of just, you know, the initial introduction to the guys and then the mystery and then the the relationship and then the, the conflict between the two. And it, it transitions itself between those and, and keeps, I think, an appropriate amount of time in each. And then the sequence is sort of woven in between with the doctor as, as needed. It, it does everything it needs to do. There's something that prevents it from just being you know, wow, that, that great four-star movie that I would, you know, be really excited to be telling people about. But I think it, it is, it was a rewarding watch for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, for me, it's right in the middle. Yeah. It's a two and a half for me. Uh, Cause I think it's really innovative and it's a like, right. So I, I think it's a, it's a good movie, but when we get to flick chart, it's gonna, it, it shows up as really kind of low for me because it's uh, because it's such a small film and I missed some things in it. So it actually comes up lower than I would have expected. It ended up low for me as well, and because it just kept coming against things, and I thought, well, yeah, that's you know, and I, I, 
there's two factors that I always consider when making that decision of, well, is this film just a joy to watch, you know, more so than this one? Or sometimes, is this really have something profound to say? And so this one struggle in both those areas because it it's not one yep. that I look forward to like as an enjoyable watch. It's not something I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to watch Jonathan again. But it's also not one that really probes and asks really big questions or is a, a true, you know, mind bender where you're like, wow, this is, you know, giving me something no. to, to think about and analyze. It just touches in those areas and that just keeps it from yeah you end up uh, yeah. you end up having to do that mental work on your own where did, where did it end up on your flip chart? so it ended up at uh 346 um which is you know lower half out of out of 394 and it ended it, it's in between two really it's in an odd place um so it's okay. just below the Amy Schumer <laughs> comedy train wreck and then it's uh-huh. just above a movie that i discovered on netflix called arc arq which is a little time oh, I don't know it's that. a little it was like something that was either a netflix original or something they just picked up that you know didn't get any distribution and it's a small little time travel um post-apocalyptic film it's all set in a house and it's got time loops going on so if you like that type of thing uh, where you've got time loops and, you know, trying to escape from a time loop and figuring out exactly what's going on. Um, it's that type of film. And so Jonathan feels like a good companion piece for that because Ark didn't do anything just earth shattering, but it, it did some interesting things and I enjoyed watching it. It's not one I'm going to go back and watch again. And so I think that's it's a good place for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's- uh, a similar thing happened to me in it. it. You know, it's low. It's 147 out of 205. Okay. Uh, but it's, um, it's right between two trailer rewind movies. Oh. So it's right below odd Thomas, okay. which I think is a great movie yeah. and it's really fun, but it also feels small. It feels yes. contained. And then it's right above. Don't think twice, which I think oh, okay. again, yeah. another yeah. relatively small movie um, and, and contained. I think, I think Jonathan has a little bit more of a, of a clever idea behind it. So that's why I have it over that. I think the interesting thing is that both Odd Thomas, Don't Think Twice, and Jonathan are all 95 minutes or less. Oh, so that, that tells you something, yes. too, about that concept of, uh, of, of, a, of a big, well-fleshed-out movie versus uh, something that's going to be a nice, quick, uh, digestible thing on streaming services. So uh, that's where it's on my flip. And you said it puts you at about two and a half stars? I say two and yeah. a half and a like. I could yeah. give it a three, but I don't think it really compares to the, th- the three star movies that I've put that I've rated that way. So I'm just going to say it's right in the middle, and uh, but I definitely give it a like. Yes, and that's about where I put it because yeah, for three stars, that's something that I want to say I enjoy it. I'm probably going to watch again. Whereas two and a half stars, I'm getting to the point of, well, there's some flaws or just eh, I'm feeling sort of indifferent about watching it again. I enjoyed it, but don't really need yeah. to to see it again. So that's yeah. So I think we're pretty much in about the same place with this one uh recommend yeah. checking it out if it's this type of thing but don't expect anything you know earth shattering but if you're uh you know flipping through netflix and it right. comes across and you're in the mood for something like it's short uh yet entertaining and give you you know the, the thought-provoking you know conversation piece this is definitely the film to check out yep interesting conversation yes. piece 
All right. Well, for all our listeners out there, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It helps other film fans discover us. And if you choose to support us on Patreon, you're joining a great community of film lovers, some that are really into film as art and some that just really enjoy entertaining movies. We'd love to have you join our community. Right now, there's a huge debate going on about raunchy comedies. Uh, This just happened tonight (laughs) because we've been talking about Booksmart and a couple of people said, oh, I don't like those raunchy teen comedies and so now there's discussion about whether it's really a raunchy teen comedy or not and what makes it what's the definition of raunchy? exactly and so i know andy has put a poll up on facebook there's ongoing discussion back and forth about just teen comedies and john hughes and everything and it just it all started because a few of us talked about book smart and had a great time seeing it and other people are saying that's not my type of film and it's conversations like these that happen all the time just seemingly out of nowhere suddenly there's a huge lively spirited debate going on about films that people enjoy and why they enjoy them well yeah so there we are that's what's going on on uh on discord right now well uh good stuff want to send out some special thanks to pete wright for taking time to edit this together we we sit down we record this then we hand it off to pete and he always makes it sound good and cuts out all the awkward pauses and stumbles that we have so thank you pete for doing that jj it's been a pleasure talking with you about jonathan tonight thanks we'll talk to you on the next one ando I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.